Tonight on Dwarf Fortress Roundtable, we celebrate the violence inherent in the system that is our favorite game. Starring Tony. Oh, my Halloween fort died. Today you made it a year. I didn't think we'd survive in a haunted biome with no trees. Roland. Yeah, Moen, trying to get into the caverns to see some undead cavern creatures. <laughs> Jonathan. The wear armadillo shakes the dwarven child around by the head and the skull collapses. The dwarven child has been found dead. And featuring our very special guest, Kiefer. Anything that has more than about three settings, I just have setting prowess. And that's why you've chosen Dwarf Fortress as a game to play, right? So get a witch's shawl on and a broomstick you can crawl on. We're going to pay a call on everything that's violent, tragic, and just plain horrifying about Dwarf Fortress. Let's go! We have Kiefer on with us, and he is really into Dwarf Fortress uh, Legends mode and the histories that it generates. Hi, Kiefer. Hi there. Thanks for having me on. Not a problem. Yeah. I, so I guess my DF history is like starting back in 2007 or 8, and I started in like 40D, I think, and actually reaching out to everybody. I was wondering if anyone listening knows there's like a PC Gamer magazine, Games for Windows magazine or something that had an article about Dwarf Fortress, and that's what got me into it. I saw that, and I'm like, oh, this looks crazy. Got to get into it. So I've been I've been playing ever since, and I've been really listening to all the fun stories, and I love going on the forums and seeing what everyone's into. That sounds like a goal to find that PC Gamer article about it. It's got to yeah, be out there. Yeah, it's it's got to be out there. I, I tried actually for like a couple of days trying to figure out where that went, but uh, yeah, maybe someone can help me. And as this is a episode that we are releasing on Halloween, it is taking the place of the episode that would normally have been released this coming Sunday. But today we've got a bit of a spooktacular for you. Some violence in Dwarf Fortress, if you will. Violence and terror. Doom. So we decided as a podcast that each of us would take one particular group of dwarves forward through the purple zone. That's right, through the um, through an evil biome. So we decided we were going to each play out an outpost set in an evil biome. And that's one thing I've had a lot of problems with in the past where I basically just set up a fort and then almost immediately find myself dead. Um, like, so common. I struggle constantly with hunters you know whatever the seven doors arrive the hunter goes out kills an alligator and then the alligator's body parts immediately come and eradicate the village so i thought i would try a different deck and so i have set up a fort in a dusty part of an arctic plain called snarl earth and my seven dwarves have arrived in between two hills and it's a very desolate bare arctic plain um, doesn't look like it gets much snow but it is covered with a disgusting slime so that will be interesting to see how this all plays out so the way i've done this is i've taken notes per year per month 
from the perspective of different dwarves. So starting off with Monam Lokumazin, our expedition leader. The first month, 18th day, in the year 250, we have just arrived and set up an unexplored and unknown frozen lands in the far south. We found some shelter between two hills and we've started digging. This is a horrid frozen wasteland, blistering winds, blinding snow. It is the land beneath our feet that is looking to kill us. It is a horrible place. Now it's raining nauseating slime. We'll make the best of it and we'll call our outpost Decibier or Snarl Earth. So everything seemed to go well for a few days, a um, few hours, and then next update was the next day from Kivish Zukob Katten, our hunter. Well, fortunately, I managed to take the hunting labor off of this character very quickly, so the hunting activities didn't wipe us out. I learned a little bit. So, Kivish says, I do not believe there is anything to hunt in this land, so I fear my skills may be completely useless to the party. Today, while I was out gathering some supplies to bring into the fort, I noticed the most horrific creature lurking by the wagon. It looked like a weasel, but most of its flesh had gone. It was just bones, sinew, and glowing eyes. I don't think it saw me. It was terrifying. So things have been going fairly well for us here on the frozen plains of Snarl, Snarl Earth. Our next journal entry comes from Tulan Keskalik our miner. I fear we have made a grave mistake. We started tunneling down into the rock looking for a suitable area to start building our home, but we've accidentally pierced the caverns a mere 11 levels deep. Pretty shallow from my experience. Feg Semorzening is building a masonry workshop so she can cap that downward stairway before any sort of evil climbs from the depths. We didn't even look down, we just ran. That's what you had with your with your uh, haunted world, wasn't it? I had a wear armadillo. Did that pretty much end your your run there, or were you no. able to? No, it didn't. Uh, and him. like I said, I believe that my fortress was not quite as horrifying as it might have been, is because that there is a little bastion of sanity in a in a forest clearing that takes up about a quarter of my map. No, my fortress is still going strong, and it's actually doing pretty good. The only evil thing that has happened isn't even a result of the evil biome. It's the, well, actually, there's some of my my uh, dwarves are in despair because they got caught out in the in the repellent sludge. But other than that, the wear armadillo is the only thing that has really happened that was horrifying. I do have to say though that I watched that fight happen. And it only killed one dwarf, but it killed a child dwarf that was unfortunately unlucky enough to be in a migration that was happening at the same time that the wear armadillo showed up. And this child dwarf panicked and ran away from the stream of the other migrationists, mig immigrants, What's migrants, migrants. Thank you. Yeah, I keep saying immigrants and, and it's, it's like, that's not right. But yeah. Anyway, so the wear armadillo singled this dwarf child out and slowly and surely caught up to the dwarf child. It wasn't a particularly fast werebeast because I guess maybe armadillos have short legs. I don't know. But uh, I did have a drawing, an artistic depiction 
of the wear armadillo that I will post to the to the website, and I did post oh, it to nice. the Discord. He tracked the child down, and the child had some very sad things to uh, to say. Some of his talking, I'm, I'm looking through it. Trying to his <laughs> last thoughts weren't great. Help save me. How fleeting life is. I must not succumb to fear. I've been injured badly. There is no hope. Help save me. Oh, my goodness. The where armadillo shakes the dwarven child around by the head, tearing apart the head's muscle and bruising the skull. An artery in the head has been opened by the attack. A tendon in the skull has been torn. The where armadillo shakes the dwarven child around by the head, and the skull collapses. An artery Oops. in the head has been opened by the attack. A tendon in the skull has been torn. Dwarven child has been found dead. It's the worst, man. Yeah. You're cruel. But that's yeah. the only really nasty thing that's happened in my in my fortress so far. So my idea of of having a horrifyingly haunted fortress in this case has gone horribly bad. But, <laughs> but I do have a nice story to tell, and I will tell it here whenever it comes back around to me. I will tell it about one of my very first fortresses that I had, even before we did this podcast and before I knew anything about what I was doing. And before I realized how much of a pain in the butt where beasts can be, but well, don't hold us on the edge there. Come on. Okay. Yeah. So we'll go ahead and do it now. So one of my first, uh, first fortresses that I had whenever I was no longer playing tutorials was also before I realized that if you left a dwarf body alone in the, uh, fortress too long without putting it in a coffin, that it might become a ghost. <laughs> Good time. Yeah, so I also didn't know about miasma, but most importantly, what I didn't understand was that lycanthropy is contagious in Dwarf Fortress. So there was a a were-llama that came and terrorized some of my fisher dwarves that I had outside my fortress. And I did not have any doors on the outside of my fortress. There were no bridges. There was no protection. The fortress was just open. So uh, my fisher dwarves got attacked by a a were llama, who eventually turned back into its uh, human form and left the map and took off. So I'm like, okay, great, that's fine, no problem. I'm just tooling along, and I guess about a month later, all hell breaks loose in one of the meeting areas of my of my fortress, because the two fisher dwarves that survived the attack of the were llamas became were llamas themselves. And it oh, was yeah. Classic. a total bloodbath. It was like the Red Wedding from Game of Thrones. It was just awful. So yeah, they'll do that. That's that's a that's an ongoing thing. It's like, and you can kind of try to figure out who got bitten, but it gets a little complicated. But usually, I think it's like, what is it? The purple entries in the combat log are usually the indication that you've got troubles. Yeah, I always go through combat really slowly. I, I like to spend my time kind of imagining the fight and seeing what happens and going step by step. And I often am recording it also because I like to keep a little record or journal or what whatever you want to call it of how things are happening. And so I'm going through step by step in combat and sometimes you're like, oh, Lord, what did he just do to that man? It's a little sad sometimes seeing what happens. Yeah. 
and someone's like bleeding out on the ground in front of their friends saying help save me and they're trying to fight and half of them are running away and then the one guy's complaining in the back because it's raining like, well, yeah. <laughs> i'm sorry buddy can't be there <laughs> one of the things that i really found out about that in that fortress though was that there are ghosts and that really i thought was really cool I didn't realize at first, and I don't even, I don't even know if I realized from that fortress that there was a corporeal element to the to the ghosts, though, that the ghosts can actually kill people. Um, oh yeah! But the it's fact that you have a ghost too. of the dwarf that you had in your fortress is just pretty cool. So oh yeah! My next fortress, yeah. one of my most important industries, was coffin making. <laughs> oh, God, and that uh, turned dark. <laughs> and slabs. You need the slabs too. What yeah, are the slabs, slabs for? Are, uh, what are the slabs for? So if you don't have a body, then you can't uh, immortalize it or entomb it, really. Uh, so what you can do, say someone falls into lava, and or magma, rather, and uh, burned up into a crisp, and there's nothing left of him. So we can't put him in, so he would naturally become a ghost. Um, the only way you could prevent him becoming a ghost, other than putting him in the tomb, is to carve out a slab and memorialize it to that person who died. And when you place that slab down, then uh, it will act the same as if you buried the person and will put them to peace, because now they're remembered. I did not know that. I did not know that. Yeah, that's how you rid the fort of your, of your ghosts. Yep. Yeah. It's also very useful to um, use that in order to figure out maybe reasons why they died if you have no idea uh, so say someone died and or like you just find a dead body in your mind somewhere you're like what happened here uh, usually a uh, slab will read and give the reason of death as well so like oh he started because I locked him in that room oh sorry We have another entry the next day from Momnom Lakumazin, our expedition leader. The second month, 12th day of 250. Word has spread that we've reached the caverns and monster hunters have been quick to join us. A pair of human archers. Hmm, that seems positive. Who knows what they really want or why they're really here. They can't get into the caverns anymore. Huh. We had a pretty decent month. Um, after that entry, things went surprisingly well for us. Um, you know, we were actually able to start building a fort. And um, a month later, Kivish Zukob Katten, our hunter, chimes in again on the third month, 20th day, saying, We built a new storage area off the dining room. Momnom and Tulom disassembled our wagons and were moving all the remaining supplies from the ground and the disgusting slime that rains down into the safety of our fort. Seeing that wagon stripped down to its bare parts certainly makes this accommodation feel very real now. Snarl Earth looks to be our home. Later that day, Zukob Katten, our hunter, chimes back in again by saying we were just finishing up the cleaning and hauling of the wagon when we suddenly were attacked by several walking animal corpses. It was disgusting, horror like I've never seen. Between that and the constant raining slime, tensions are really high. It looks like everyone is getting really stressed. Several days later, Obak Kesalakok, our new expedition leader, uh-oh, chimes in. Today I have claimed the role of expedition leader from our hero, Momnam Lakumazin, 
who, along with Kivish Zugabkatan, were slain by Lula Karksham, a zombie corpse. One of the human monster hunters who'd gone missing. We were wondering what happened to him. The corpse attacked several dwarves who'd begun construction on our drawbridge door. Sadly, the work was suspended and we didn't realize it. Now we have a huge problem. Only five of us remain with a human monster hunter. My spirits were high with our recent building progress, but I'm now faced with the reality that we will not make it. Next entry from Toulon, Keskaluk, our miner. The third month, 28th day of 250. It was horrifying. The risen corpses of one of the human monster hunters and the corpse of our former expedition leader, Momnum, invaded our fortress today. They managed to kill all the others who fought very bravely up until the very end. So the fort is now just the three of us, me, Lolor, and Feb. We managed to get ourselves to the dining room and are hiding. And we're safe for now, but we need to get some protection in place really quickly. There was absolute carnage in, in the fort after, at, just before this entry in it. You know, if you, looking at the fort, there are just corpses absolutely everywhere and dead animals. And it's it's a complete mess. And there's blood all over the walls. It definitely looks like something out of a true horror film. And to be there and have these corpses rise up must have been absolutely horrific. But... It's been left with these three dwarves and one monster hunter standing guard outside the, outside the dining room. The next entry from the fifth month, fifth day, 250. So obviously, we managed to survive a couple more months. Feb, Simorzening, the new expedition leader, says, More disaster struck. Tulan and Lolor were struck down by more of the Risen. The first of the Risen was killed by a water buffalo, good call, and the second was struck down by Udib Lazimush, one of our brave monster hunters. Right now it's just me and the two monster hunters. I hope some migrants arrive from the homeland soon. It is not a good situation here. Next entry. Fifth month, 21st day, 250. Feb, the only remaining dwarf right now, and expedition leader. Finally, I feel like the tides of fate are turning. Two migrants arrived. Likot Abdenal, a papermaker, and Ubel Ostituden, a farmer. It's not much, but I need all the help I can get. There have been more frightening events. A cathead entered the fort and attacked, but it was almost immediately crushed by our monster hunter's Udib spear. At least these threats are still manageable. Catheads aren't that horrifying. Fast forwarding a month later to the next journal entry here from Feb on the sixth month, ninth day. I'm so thirsty. All I can do is think about getting water. When I'm not thinking about getting water, I just drop where I am and fall asleep. It's bone dry. We have nothing. We're parched and it's raining slime. I'm starting to lose it. I don't think I'm going to make it. So then we don't hear much from Feb or anyone else. Things just kind of chug along then the seventh month 11th day feb Simorzening says the caravan from the mountain homes arrived and they have no idea of the danger they're in nor were they interested in hearing about it they just came and left really quickly after being frustrated by the fact that the trade depot had been destroyed 
it, it's just been impossible to do even the most basic things with so many animal corpses attacking. We're so fortunate to have these monster hunters around who've quickly dispatched the threat so far. But unfortunately, we can't seem to manage to even get slabs ready to memorialize our dead, and the ghosts are now scaring everyone. Everyone's really on edge. With all these ghosts around, we are just barely scraping by. And another month passes. Feb says, a little bit more upbeat this time, the three of us are finally making some progress. I've let all the others know. I'm dedicating time to digging. We just need more space, and that's a fact. Ubel whipped us up some beds. It's not a palace, but at least we're not sleeping under the stars or on our cold, slimy stone floor among the mosquitoes. Tomorrow, Lycut says she'll have completed the Craftsdorf workshop and we can com finally commemorate our dead and get rid of some of these ghosts. Can feel this collective relief setting in. Now there are four monster hunters hanging around. It's such a huge relief to have them. I wish that they'd stay, but they don't seem interested in that. Maybe they'll kill some of these mosquitoes. back I played Dwarf Fortress and I played the Fortress of Palm Torch. Palm Torch was very memorable for me and I wrote a story about it. So this time I will tell you about the legend of Palm Torch. It is the ancient saga or that mothers tell their kid if it doesn't behave to scare them with the cruel story they almost always succeed. But Palm Torch is no mere legend, not a story spun from fantasy. It did happen in a time long ago that only lives on in the stories we tell. The legendary Seven, the leader of the small group of adventurers, was Cassandra Heathergild. Isper Geertbold was her husband. She was fearless and strong. Her husband had a big reddish beard that was always neatly braided. He was smart, known to be able to read people easily. He always had a smile on the lips and was always up for a joke. His best friend Cass Courage Walls was the more silent type. Not less smart and always able to give a few snide remarks to anything, Cass was good with forming rocks in his hands to anything he wanted, just using a few tools. Then there was Sari Boltetic, beautiful with long dark hair flowing over her shoulders free as water. She knew the plants and how to use them, either to heal or to kill. Her older brother took over the farm after their father died, so she wandered out in hope for a better future than that on the old family farm. Keycrossed, quite traded, and Golda Rampart Clover, the farmers, and Ruth Cobalt Martyrs, a carpenter, embarked on their own little adventure. They decided to settle down on a remote island western to the mainland. The marshland seemed nice and full of trees, so they settled here. Green land and blue water surrounded them. On the second day, the trade depot was already under construction. After the fifth day, they sent a raven with good news back to the harbor of the west. The first 
few tunnels of the dwarven outposts were dug fast by Cassandra, and the remaining provisions were brought underground to be safe from the weather. When the seven had worked for the day, they came together to drink and eat next to the old wagon. The two yaks that brought them there were fed. The campfire crackled loud and they liked to tell stories over the fire. Their laughter was loud and frivolous. Those days passed way too fast. Soon they realized that something was off about this island. No living thing besides the birds of the sea that flew high in the sky were to be seen. Suddenly a noise and the smell of rotting flesh, a pair of stinging red eyes, a boar, but the flesh was rotten and spotted with maggots. It was a living corpse driven by its flaming hatred for all living beings. Panic erupted in the party and they fled underground, leaving behind both pack animals. Driven by fear and shock, they dug deeper and deeper to get away from the undead horrors from above. The mining was led by Cassandra. She now was a master miner and the mining was done quickly under her supervision. The old tunnels now lay abandoned above and only a secret passage led into the new parts below. The door that locked the living in and the undead out was masterfully made from the surrounding stone and when locked looked just like the wall next to it, only thanks to the masterful masonry technique of Cass. A year passed and a few migrants arrived, driven by the call of a new beginning and wealth. They had crossed the sea after the raven's words spoke of a safe travel. Soon the hopes of the arrivers were shattered as they got attacked by shambling corpses. But now the rotting flesh had both the yaks on their side. Three of the newcomers engaged in combat to give the rest time to get into the fort. The rest of the dwarves dove into the long shaft and ran into the depth that gave them a false sense of security. Awestruck they stopped. No one was to be seen. The rooms were empty and the stockpiles too. Above, the rotten flesh had struck two of the fighters. One, a muscular trader, had not even time to hit the ground before the dark, twisting magic corrupted his corpse and drove him into the fight against the living. He turned around and slew a weaver who was once a friend, now collapsed in exhaustion after the fight. The trader corpse ran into the depths where he could smell the panic of the migrants. The migrants panicked. Driven by fear and the undead behind them, they ran through the lost tunnels. One of them, his name was Thob, was cornered. He cried in fear that one of the corpses could come around the corner any second. He shuddered at the thought that this dark, dead end might be the end of his journey. Instead, the wall behind him opened and was greeted by a dwarven soldier in iron armor. Isbal did not need to ask Thorpe to come inside. The scared dwarf ran into the secure passage that led into a big hallway. 
of smooth stone. In the flickering lights he was greeted by the first seven. The rest of the migrants still struggled. More than half of them were engaged in combat with a few wild boars or turned relatives. Those that had the intuition to flee made it to the living below. Soon only a fisher dwarf was left. All his friends were either turned or already in safety. But between him and his friends was a small amount of dead as well as gored up corpses of the traitor and many twitching body parts of different kin. He gritted his teeth and ran. The corpse jumped after him, scratching him on his left upper arm. He could make it! An arm latched onto his leg. He fell, the corpse already next to him, dealing blow after blow into his guts. The last thing he saw before his soul left his body was the ironclad warrior leaving the tunnel to safety and closing the door behind him. The click of the dwarven mechanisms echoed through the halls as the door was locked once again. Only eight of the originally 21 migrants had made it. The rest came one after the other back to unlife. So, Kiefer, tell us all about your fortress. Well, this one isn't my fortress, but it's in the in the spirit of spooky Halloween. I wanted to talk about one of my favorite haunted and uh, horrible stories. Uh, I'm really big into stories and talking about the the history of things. My current fortress that I'm playing myself, I've been going on for two years or three years, but I haven't actually played it in about two. I've just been in Legends mode. Uh, for the past two years, just trying to build a history together of it. So really into that whole aspect. But the fort I wanted to talk about uh, is a really cool one on the uh, forums called Room Carnage. And uh, it's made by a guy named DS, and it started back in 2014, and it's on version 34.11. So it's nowadays pretty outdated, but uh, it's it's been going for about 66 chapters and up till this past year was the last one that came out and it's one of my favorite door fortress stories so it's all about the rise and fall of these dwarves of the momentous die they decide to go out and build a fort on a terrifying glacier volcano that ends up raining elf blood so it's a like 37 Z level tall volcano made out of ice with elf blood raining down. Cool. It it kind of fits the bill. Yeah. Yeah, so it's being in the uh terrifying glacier, it's you have reanimating corpses, right? So that actually ties into the whole uh slabs thing. So that fort they can't bury anyone because there's not enough time for them to get the corpses into coffins so they end up just having magma shoots everywhere so anytime anyone dies down the hatch they go and uh, they end up having to be built into a slab but unfortunately definitely due to the age of the fortress since it's been going on for years and years now 
like those lists are so long sometimes they don't get the ghosts so there's just constant ghosts who are living in this fortress now some of them bad and they go around ripping people apart but there are subplots and stories and such depth that i think a lot of newer players don't realize and uh, ds helps kind of explain that and show the details where he'll look at you know the um different gods that these dwarves worship and you can kind of see the different factions and so when you're we're busy talking about reanimated corpses outside uh they're also talking about the little different issues inside um that kind of develops over time when these foul fog zombies show up there's uh like these clouds of Actually, no, I don't think there was actual foul fog on the map. It was brought on by these foul fog zombies. So they walked on, and these uh, syndrome zombies, so they're like husks or whatever, are onto the map, and they're spreading this foul fog along the ground. And this foul fog is so horrible, where if it gets anywhere on dwarf skin or any animal's skin, they instantly turn into a foul fog zombie. Uh, yeah, so it was nasty, nasty stuff. And the craziest thing is these foul fog zombies fight the reanimated corpses, too. So they're cut off from the surface by late into this series. Completely cut off. No caravans have been coming for years. And there's just a constant battle log of uh, eternal battle between foul fog zombies and reanimated corpses on the on the surface <laughs> that foul fog stuff i had never seen that before um well it's just one of the one of the crux smash videos but i had never seen it before that but that looks like it would make it really 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 tough to get anything done in a fortress and i'm really surprised on a terrifying biome that uh that he's made this thing last for so many years that's impressive well yeah the the, the biggest thing about it is they kind of went underground, sealed themselves off, and um, kind of caught away. But there's been lots of close calls and big mega projects that are lost. Like uh, one of the biggest mega projects was weaponizing the volcano itself in order to reclaim the surface. So he was able to use, the only thing he had on hand was adamantine actually, and built uh, a bunch of adamantine pump stacks, bringing the volcano up to the top and then having it flood out in controlled uh, magma, or I guess that's a lava flow over the surface in order to try to purify and cleanse areas of the map. And it actually kind of worked. He did a bunch of different flows and blocked off entire quadrants of the map going out in like a pie shape from the central volcano. It was so cool. And they actually were able to get a portion of the surface cleaned off and all ready and then they realized that no one was ever going to come for them again and it was so sad <laughs> yeah there's crazy subplots mixed into there's a vampire cult uh which is some of the spookiest and um emergent gameplay i've ever seen in dwarf fortress was reading this story and looking at they're called the worshippers of zon which is a, a god different Good than... Lord, that sounds awful. Right? <laughs> that sounds horrific. Yep. This is just vanilla Dwarf Fortress. They worship a different god than the other 
dwarves, and that's the way they were able to first realize something was up. Uh, when they tried desperately to clear out a portion of the surface, I think, or it might have been during one of the last migrant waves before things went dark, everyone died outside due to foul fog zombies except for one miner who was tucked away into a little cave outside. And we he started to realize that things were a little bit different about this guy. The zombies seemed to ignore him. And then, like, it goes on from there. Maybe he's, you know, aligned with these husks. Maybe he's there for something. And we realize that he's a vampire. And there's a couple other vampires that are following him around that <laughs> are also vampires in the fortress, just kind of, like, hanging out. They eventually are um, removed from the um, in, inside of the fortress and put on the surface to help create the magma pump stack up in the top of the uh, volcano. And uh, eventually something happens to these vampires. I don't want to give everything away from the story because it's just wonderful, but you keep seeing things come back in ways that you don't expect from Dwarf Fortress, or well, you should come to expect, I suppose, but it's it's just a great introduction for people to realize how in-depth you can get into the story and how I ended up spending two years working on the same fortress and not ever unpausing. <laughs> now I'm going to go check it out. What was the name of it again? Tell me. That's Room Carnage. The Rise Room. and Fall of Room Carnage by Diaz. It's a wonderful story because he's actually records little, um, uh, what do you call them, animated GIFs of different sections. So each chapter is a, uh, a bunch of short uh, recordings, and it's all in an MGRAL. And you just kind of can read through. There's uh, comments on everything and kind of see the story. And also, it's a great introduction for people who don't really do ASCII because everything's explained and you can kind of figure out over time what's happening. It's time to check in with Snarl Earth. What a bittersweet day. Eighth month, 26th day, 250. Feb, Sam expedition leader. This was truly truly a bittersweet day. This morning while I was collecting our crops, I found the body of our lovely planter and my personal friend, Ubel. It looked as though she'd been chewed. Her arm and her leg were missing. Ugh. Who can say what happened to her? But one of our new overzealous monster hunters dispatched a number of weasels who'd wandered into the camp, but now their corpses are plaguing us. Then, on the upside, 14 new migrants arrived. I was a bit rude about that liaison from the Mountain Homes in my last entry, but the Mountain Homes have done us well, and they've sent us some much-needed help. I hope this is a sign of good things to come. Nearly two months since we last heard from Feb. The tenth month, the first day. Feb checks in. Absolute carnage. We were starting to make some progress. I guess it would be shocking if death wasn't just an everyday fact of life that we face. We're back down to a population of three after having had 14 new residents. I've just had my head down trying to make more space for us. We're just too crowded in here. There's still a number of supplies back out on our wagon, but I'm closing that main gate. It is not safe to be outside. I'm sorry. If more migrants come, we'll have to take our chances letting them in, but otherwise forget it. Down into the caverns. 
10th month, 6th day, 250. Feb Simorzenang says, In all the stresses of securing our home, we've managed to build a main gate with a gap in it. The gap was almost immediately found by the risen head of one of the reindeer we passed. I dread to think of the horror that attacked. So what happened is, everyone got together, they built the main gate protecting the fort, and there was the diagonal triangle of the gate corner was missing, and things just came right around the gate, so closing the gate made no difference. And um, looks to have been a little bit of a mistake on my part. Sorry, dwarves. The next entry, 250, 10th month, 23rd day, Feb Simorzening, expedition leader. All dead. Things are looking really poor. My lower body has been dented and I can no longer move. I'm just going to rest here and journal a bit. I'm sure some migrants will come. Looking at the screenshot I have, it's just carnage everywhere. Dead bodies and bits of clothes and carnage. And there's looks like there's a reindeer head attacking one of the one of the workshops. It's it's not a good scene at all. Two fifty. Eleventh month, twenty third day. Febs and morsening. Horror everywhere. The severed head of one of the monster hunters is now attacking the other five remaining monster hunters, but seems quite vicious. I can't quite see in the room because I can't move, but it looks like they might have it under control. I don't know how much longer I'm going to survive. It's just me here, and I can't move. Twelfth month, fourteenth day of 250. Feb, an expedition leader. There's a horrible sound in the stairwell. A shrieking. I'm not sure I'm going to make it. The end. So that was the end of Snarl Earth. We managed to make it almost an entire year. And as I look back over how it went, I'm pretty sure everything would have gone fine if I, if I would have realized that there was a hole in the wall allowing things to go right around the gate, which is complete oversight but um what are you gonna do there it was um that's snarl earth and that was my longest running evil biome fort for our halloween adventure so happy halloween everyone we hope you've enjoyed this trip down terror lane with us at the dwarf fortress roundtable halloween special if you can, stop by bay12games.com and drop a donation in the can of Tarn and Zach Adams. Or if you'd like to leave a comment or suggestion for this show, visit us at dfroundtable.com and you can leave your notes there. Music has been provided by Kevin McLeod at incompetech.com. You can find links to all of these songs in the show notes. Join us next time for another episode of Dwarf Fortress Roundtable. Be safe, but not too safe. Thank you.